Good day, everyone. Welcome to Horns Up. And Peter, even though the virus is still raging on, there's some semblance of the old normal creeping back in. Case in point, something that happened on July 4th, not in America, but in Switzerland. Because some countries in Europe have eased restrictions around live events during this pandemic. German yeah. Clash Legends destruction. They were able to perform a special show at the famous Z7 or Z7 club in Prathlin. I don't know how to pronounce that, but it's <laughs> in Switzerland on July 4th. Of course, tickets were very limited due to the governmental restrictions. But you know what? Fan videos have already hit YouTube. And damn, the energy there is just on such a higher level than almost any of the live stream shows I've watched. Regular concerts totally beat live streams any day. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, you can't really compare, to be honest. It's not fair. And especially with a band like Destruction. I mean, I can say it because I happened to catch them when they played at uh, Bangalore Open Air a few years back. And uh, they, they really put on a good show. So... Come on, man. It's thrash metal. Who wants to watch thrash metal on a live stream? Like, it, it's just like weird for me. So, yeah. unless, of course, it's a prior concert show or something of that sort. Like, Metallica, I think, have been doing a fantastic job of putting up all their old concerts every week or so. Yeah, uh, but like, it's I mean, good like, to watch. Meta- I mean, my for nostalgia's sake. Yeah, true. I mean, but like, Metallica, like, in a different. Uh, level altogether I mean, in terms of their production and the stuff that they are putting up is you know like your stadium size thing right so at least you get that atmosphere and all but most of the other live streams when you compare are just like four guys in a room and it's it's weird that yes that i think is the differentiator when it's just your band performing to a camera then automatically half the energy is lost you need crowds for this man it's it's weird, but live equals crowds. Yeah, true. And, you know, of course, the sweat and the grime and everything else, the beer and whatnot that comes along with every festival. But it's great that you said this because, I mean, just the other day I was seeing, uh, I saw an update uh, in Finland. They're actually going to have a metal festival and uh, insomnium uh, are actually playing. So I'm very curious to know how that's going to happen in August. But uh, yeah, man, I'm glad to see at least in Europe they're opening things up. Yeah, you're beginning to see new ideas. You're beginning to see new things. Of course, the drive-ins we've already spoken about. You're beginning to see socially distant pods or fan clusters and artist renditions of how stadiums as well as open-air venues will look like with adequate social distancing with fans. <laughs> oh well well at least I don't think mosh pits are going to come back anytime soon <laughs> no not really man <laughs> anyways well we are continuing to talk live music today on Hans Up with Destructions Matt Butcher the frontman and bassist Schmier himself the band released a solid live album earlier this year that uh, as Schmier says was unknowingly recorded by the audio engineers at the Partisan Festival the band played in. What do you think? Was this recorded unknowingly? 
like you know typically and i could kind of buy that story from him because otherwise you know most live sto- live gigs i've heard then you'll typically have like the frontman saying that like guys you're on this has been recorded or something like that or like come on show some more energy kind of like hyping up the crowd but uh, yeah man, i mean it, there is a different kind of charm right when it's done unknowingly because like he said you can't go back and fix it or and you know that also depends on this kind of musician right so i mean you can in this day and age there's always a possibility to edit and retouch and do everything out but yeah, yeah. i'd like to trust shmeer when he says that this was recorded unknowingly anyways uh, here's a splendid and pretty candid chat with shmeer uh, where we pretty much chat about everything from why backing tracks should go should be banned to destruction's own vine that's an idea you hear yeah. first ever on hans up so here we go and now on horns up it's destructions mad butcher shmeer how are you doing today man yeah good how are you guys everybody's not down to india huh? i guess yeah it's it's been a few years <laughs> but before we get into that i mean we're here to talk about your latest live album bond thrash live in germany i mean it's 10 songs uh, runs for 50 minutes How do you guys go about putting your setlist together? I mean, do you look to please every kind of destruction fan? I think you cannot please everybody, but you know, the, the live setlist that we have on this album is like a festival setlist. We played on the Partisan, which is one of the biggest uh, German uh, extreme metal festivals, and we only had like 55 minutes, so it's it's kind of difficult to to get uh, a setlist together, but we have a lot of experience and we know there's like let's say between 8 and 10 songs that we have to play or people are fucking going to be sad you know so there's uh, there's not so much headroom uh, on a setlist like this because it's pretty short but we wanted to play of course some new songs uh, because our new album came out that weekend so we have uh, betrayal and born to perish in the setlist and the rest is basically classics uh, yeah it's uh, it's a classic setlist of a festival basically All right. When we play and like when we play like a headlining show, we usually play like one and a half hours. Then there's 35 minutes more. Then of course you can add some little extras that we don't play every time, you know. Yeah, and you know you mentioned that you recorded this at the Partisan uh, Festival uh, last year. So, does it feel like, you know, different or somewhat special when you're performing in front of your home crowd in Germany? Yeah, sometimes of course uh, it can be very good to play home then people like celebrate your homecoming you know also sometimes being at home can be not so good because your hometown crowd maybe saw you too often you know or it's going to be like oh destruction again ah fuck you know so you never know what you get you know but uh, this one was a good one uh, it was uh, the second time we performed at the festival and uh, actually the second time or the third time i'm not sure but yeah it's uh, It's an extreme metal festival so people are are coming for extreme metal so uh we had a really good reactions on the crowd and uh it was a great night otherwise we wouldn't have released it on the on the live album <laughs> okay yeah. uh well this is your fourth time doing a live album as such but the first with this lineup uh what have you guys learned while recording and producing a live album any studio or stage tips or tricks that you guys have tried out with this particular one 
I think uh, the best thing, I, the best advice I can give you for a live album is don't tell the band you record them. <laughs> 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 because we didn't, we also we didn't know that the album was recorded. Uh, and, uh, you know, the show was recorded by a friend that was there with his recording equipment. He was recording some other bands that day. And he recorded us by surprise. And we didn't know. Came to us after the show and said, "Hey guys, surprise! I recorded your show," and you were like, "Oh fuck!" So <laughs> it was kind of an accident. And I think uh, uh, once you know you get recorded, it makes you more stiff. It makes you more anxious. You know, when you don't know, you go out there, you kill it, you play like you always play. Uh, it's the best way, I think. Don't you know? Don't tell the band that they got they got recorded because then they're gonna fuck it up. <laughs> okay okay so so let me ask you this i'm sure you've heard uh, kiss alive yeah yeah have you seen the documentary behind it i think it's uh, uh recorded at sound checks and stuff right <laughs> yeah I, I kind of i mean i i brought it up because it's not you know, really live is it it's not, it's not really okay. live okay. yeah it's not really live you're absolutely right because that documentary it broke my sense of authenticity yeah. because the band admitted that they went back into the studio and actually no. touched up and re-recorded the parts that they'd fucked up on on the live recording. So I'm not like I'm not insinuating anything, but what's your take on that kind of an approach? I think you know then it's not a live album anymore. You know when you start to change stuff, it kills the original feel. You know I think a, a wrong note or you know, I'm also on this live album, I'm mixing up some lyrics here and there, you know, because it was, you know, we had like flamethrowers on stage, you know, sometimes uh, walk to the microphone and then the flamethrower comes, you know, and then it's like whoosh and you're like, fuck, I forgot the lyrics. You know? <laughs> that's what happens, you know, and that's live. And uh, I think people don't want to have a flawless live album. Of course, they want a tight live album, but, you know, little... Little mistakes make us human, you know, and I think uh, that's why I think uh, I prefer a live album where I can hear that not everything is 100% perfect because when I have the same as on the record, if it sounds the same as on the record, what's the sense of a live album, you know? So I know nowadays, of course, a lot of bands are, are either doing one thing, they're recording a lot of shows, mm -hmm. then the best parts of the shows, you know, so they don't have to go to the studio to... Um, to kind of uh, redo some stuff, you know, or like our live show on this uh, festival was, of course, the best of show that we played like so many times. It's like Mad Butcher and uh, Best Invasion songs. I guess we can play in our sleep, you know. So yeah, that's, then it's kind of easy. But uh, we also had live albums before where we used like three different shows and cut them together, you know. But yeah. that actually kills the atmosphere a bit. I think the great thing about this live album is that it's like one shot. Break, there's no fade in, no fade out. I'm, I'm talking German, nobody understands, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was quite interesting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it's authentic this way. All right. All right. So, you know, does the band uh, have any like pre-gig rituals or something that you do to get into your stage mode? I think, uh, you know, for many years, you always had a shot before the show, like a shot. Uh, I kind of stopped it because uh, it a little bit dehydrates my throat, 
you know. And then in the first song, you have a little bit of problems with the uh, with the uh, routine. But usually, what we uh, we have a, a little drink before the show, and uh, before we go out, we all give us high five, and then we go out kill. No praying or uh, handstands or whatever. <laughs> 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 right. So we, we've come to like the stage section of this interview. We'd like to play on the show a track from the live album. So which one should we play and why? I don't know. If it's difficult. You know, for me, my favorite destruction song always is when I play on stage. And uh, also just because it's one of the best songs you ever wrote is Curse the Gods. You know, I think it's it's a. Uh, has this destruction vibe, the riffing and the chorus and everything, the roller coaster, the way the song breaks down and gets fast again, uh, the heaviness. I think Curse of God is maybe one of the best destruction songs. Uh, so we should maybe play that one. Thank you. 
So, Shmir, there's always an air of uh, unpredictability as such at live shows. I'm sure there would have been times when you've had to suddenly, you know, take the pulse of the crowd and either change the set list abruptly or play a variation somewhere or, you know, maybe the guitarist starts up a solo differently or something of that sort. Uh, can you share any? Can you share any such stories where perhaps the crowd has gone against what your original plan was? Crowd was going against the band. You mean against? Like I mean, maybe you feel that uh, that the crowd hasn't just started popping up the way you would expect them to be. And so, what do you guys do when in times like that? I think uh, when. When you can, when you feel the crowd needs an extra kick, you know, then you just put more energy into the show. You know, you try to be more enthusiastic uh, and try to get the crowd. You know, it's uh, it doesn't help if you if you lay back. Then you know, then you have to just try harder to get them. You know, I think that's uh, that's that's I, I don't remember a show that we couldn't get the crowd actually we played a lot of festivals also we played some festivals where there was like only hard rock bands and we were like your only thrash band and then you can tell the first song poof and the crowd is like Ooh, what's going on <laughs> this you know before they were all like clapping and, and singing along and all of a sudden they get their face kicked you know but usually after a while we have some parts in the show also where people can clap and scream along and stuff and people get into it after a while and uh, I think we, we actually we usually get every crowd so it's it's the challenge of the night you know to especially when you play festivals to get the festival crowd also right so you know that in the last few months thanks to this pandemic uh, all across the world we've seen the rise in virtual concerts is that something that you'll have thought of dabbling in and if so or why not? Before I play a virtual concert, I will hang myself live on TV. <laughs> why do you say that? Because if... because it's it can't be something that we need. You know, I understand now in the pandemic, there's a certain you know entertainment in it. You know, it's because we have no shows now. I understand that you know we, we could, but it's like you know it's, we have the same shit in Germany here. There's football games, like soccer games, without crowd, you know. There's no sense in a soccer game when there's no people, you know. It's like 12 guys playing the ball, but no atmosphere, you know. And it's the same when you play a show without a crowd. It's like being in the rehearsal room, you know. It's like it's it's missing the most important ingredient. It's the crowd, and, uh, and uh, I think the... You know, the entertainment of those little sessions online is okay. But most of them also that I saw didn't sound good, didn't look that good, you know, because it's difficult to produce this right. It's costing mm. a lot of money. You have the cameras, the sound, you have to mix it. Uh, it's not so easy to do this right, you know. And, and then at the end, you're sitting in front of a TV, you know, you don't feel the bass, you don't feel the sweat. It's not the same. And what I really don't like about it is that Facebook and some other operators are really trying to make money with it now. Yeah. So soon they will tell us, oh, we don't need concerts anymore. You just play an online show and, and the whole world will see it. Fuck off. We don't want that. We want, we want to see the fans in a sweaty club 
and have a show together. It's an experience, you know. We don't want all this online crap. So I like the internet. I like new, you know, some new new stuff is great and it's fantastic to connect the fans. And some jams are, of course, cool, but this shouldn't be the future. And in the pandemic, okay, but not from us. I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah. I can't, yeah, I can't help but imagine the very first show that we get to see here locally too. I that'll be like a sweet, sweet, sweet return to normalcy. And I, and sorry for saying it, but it'll be literally destruction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So okay. So here's here here here's a slightly uh, different question. What do you think makes a band more metal? Is it the ability to record? new music and push the boundaries in the studio or is it the ability to perform and bring all that music live to a concert i think uh, it's very important to write good songs and record them well in the studio and uh, i also still enjoy doing this but of course when you go on stage it's the naked truth you know it's the truth can you perform those songs that you before recorded in the studio in weeks and weeks of hard work uh, you know, in the studio, you can do a lot of things. You can cheat. You can uh, take a lot of time to play a part that you maybe can't really play live. So I think uh, the moment of truth is the live show. And uh, that's why I think live is the moment of metal. You know, uh, of course, the recording is important, but live on stage is when, when we see metal is happening. You know, you guys have been around for four decades now. Uh, did you think you'd have <laughs> almost know. four decades? Almost, okay. four, almost decades. four decades. Makes me, makes me sound old. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I did. That was not my intention. But you know, looking back all these years, when you guys first started out, right? Did you think you'd have such a long and cons consistent career? No, of course not. But you know, also we had our ups and downs. You know, we had our our split ups and you know lineup changes. And some difficult years also, but in the end, we never thought we would go that far. You know, I remember when we started, the only thing we wanted to do is like one, one day play on stage. You know, we never wanted more. We never wanted to go like big. We never wanted to be rock stars or something. We just wanted to play. We, our big dream was like playing on a stage. And once this happened, and the band became famous quite quick, you know, and uh, also... Uh, the pressure we had when we were very young kids already was intense and we never thought this would go on actually it's it's actually crazy that that metal like a worldwide movement and fans all over the world are listening to heavy metal nowadays because you couldn't imagine that like we knew of course there would be fans in germany and fans in america but all of a sudden later on over the years we played a lot of crazy countries where we didn't know metal fans exist you know so like India, you know, or, you know, like we, well, we also played some uh, countries like uh, where religious, where you would think because of religious beliefs, it's impossible to play, you know, like Malaysia or Indonesia. There's great metal scene in Indonesia, you know, so that's something yeah. we never ever have thought that we could, you know, get there and play in front of our fans, you know. So, so the whole development of the metal scene is actually amazing. Because it's underground music. It's nothing that happens on TV or is pushed by the media. And that the scene makes such a development worldwide in the rainforest in Latin America or, you know, on some lonely islands, you'll always find metal fans. And that's, of course, fantastic. We never thought that far. 
Yeah, well, we never thought <laughs> that we'd be able to be uh, having this kind of a conversation with you, Shmir. Oh, so, at the end, it's a small world, though, you know. Exactly. Yeah, metal is what brought all of us together. So yeah. tell me this, you know, times, they're always changing. Uh, what do you think has changed in heavy metal, especially for gigs throughout all these years? And what do you think has stayed the same? I think what I, the development I don't like about heavy metal is that more and more bands are using backing tracks nowadays. You know, they Ooh, okay. They are using support from from tape basically uh, to perform live, and that's uh, a sad development because I see a lot of big bands doing this on festivals. Also, you know that uh, I don't think it's needed. You know, because I think heavy metalists and rock and roll in general should be pure, honest music. You know, and when the guitar player was drunk before and he doesn't play so good today. Hey, it's life, you know. It's I think that's that makes real music real and separates it from pop music, you know, where everything is playback, anyways, you know. So I think uh, metal should stay real, and the, all these backing tracks. I'm not a friend, a friend of that, you know. And uh, what stayed uh, or even become more uh, close is that, you know, heavy metal for me still is something that unites the world, you know. When wherever I go. Uh, no matter of you know because now we're talking about racism and everything at the moment worldwide uh, for me wherever i go and i see metal people i feel like they're my brothers right away you know and that has never changed that has been growing over the years and that's uh, something that sometimes i still can't believe how, how fast you connect once you metal hats you know and i think that's a great achievement also of our music that we really are a united scene that's awesome i mean uh... You know, we brought you've brought it up a couple of times already, and uh, you know, one of the highlights for me uh, five years ago at Bangalore Open Air was watching y'all play that killer set in such like a congested. I mean, it wasn't an open air environment, but yeah, what are your memories uh, from your trip to India? I'm very curious to know. Oh, I mean, it was uh, very exciting for us to play India because, as I said before, we never thought we could uh, come to play to India because. Uh, we didn't know so much about the Indian metal scene and stuff, you know, so it was uh, very exciting for us. And of course, uh, we all love Indian food, you know, so it was uh, was great to have a lot of fantastic food in India, you know, and uh, yeah, met a lot of great people. And we also saw that there was a lot of amazing Indian bands also, like yeah. adjusting like the Indian culture into metal music. And that was very, that was very interesting. Like the, the quality of Indian bands was outstanding because the Indian scene is rather small still, right? It's not so yeah. metalheads, but there was a lot of good bands. I remember this uh, was pretty impressive. Yeah, thank so, you for saying that. Yeah, we're glad to hear that. So, you know, any live experiences that you feel still need to be ticked off of a bucket list of sorts? If you have, I mean, what is really on Destruction's bucket list? We're, I want to know. Oh, I'm not such a bucket list guy. I I just like I I try to do stuff, you know. I I don't write it down and then I don't do it. I just try to do it and I think we have reached a lot of things and for, for us always the great thing is to go somewhere where we didn't play yet, you know. Like uh, a a country where we never played before, like South Africa. You know, Africa in, in general is a continent we never played. We've been everywhere in the world, but never played in Africa. It's not so easy, of course. So South Africa has a metal scene. I would love to play there one day. That's on the bucket list, maybe. And 
yeah, maybe uh, play uh, on the same stage as Judas Priest one day. We actually played oh. play, we played oh. festival together before, but they played the other stage and not the same stage as us. So hopefully one day, uh, because Judas Priest is my all-time favorite metal band. Yeah, we're, we're both Priest fans. So oh, yeah. okay, the last album was fucking killer. Yeah, okay. So, so here's something for your list. Now, you know, in the last few years, a lot of metal bands or even rock bands have expanded into alcohol also, right? So if there has to be a destruction beer or whiskey or a spirit of your choice, what would it be and what would it taste like? Ooh. Ooh. Ooh that's very difficult. <laughs> I think, yeah, you know, we're, we're all, we're like wine drinkers in destruction. We, we we basically we've been going over the years from beer to booze or then to wine and now we stuck stuck on the wine we don't drink so much booze anymore because it fucks you up too hard you know so uh, we actually we're from a wine region also like basically where I grew up there was vineyards behind our house and stuff so this is really like a wine region so a destruction. A uh, wine would be good, you know, like a, a, a strong, strong, tasty red wine. I think I would see a raunchy red wine would be a good destruction product, I think. Yep, and you should definitely call it All Hell Breaks Loose. Has yeah. <laughs> exactly, and with a nice label, exactly. <laughs> All Hell Breaks right. Loose, the wine. That would be awesome. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, so if, if this happens in the next year, uh, we, we you heard it here first. Are <laughs> you like a marketing director or something? <laughs> yeah, I, I do work in marketing. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so Shmir, I am actually a bassist myself. And so I have to ask you, when did you know that bass was your instrument? Actually, bass kind of became my instrument after after the other guys were looking for a bass player. Uh, Destruction came to me and said, we're looking for a bass player. Are you a bass player? And I said, no. And they said, but you look like a bass player. And I said, okay, what do, what do you do? And then next day we went to the music store and bought me a bass. And then I became the bass player of Destruction. So it was not Destruction at the time. It was the band before Destruction, but it was Mike already in the band. And uh, yeah, they were looking for a bass player because at this time, the scene was so little. You were the only few people that listened to metal. And uh, yeah, and they didn't have a bass player. So I became the bass player by accident. And uh, yeah, later on it became Destruction. And uh, yeah, here we are. It's, uh, I'm ac accidentally a bass player, basically. Mm, okay, okay. So having said that, uh, what do you make of all the memes and the jokes that always has us bassists as the butt of the joke? Has it bothered you at any time? You know, if you ever heard how thin a guitar sounds without the <laughs> then you understand that all those jokes are just envy jokes from guitar players that know that without us, they don't sound like a band. Yep. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yep, completely agree. All right, Shmir, it's been an absolute pleasure. So here's our final question to you. Um, what does metal mean to you today? Metal for me is life. You know, uh, sometimes people say, hey, Shmir, you know, you're a musician. How long do you want to do this? Like, do you retire? 
uh, you know, metal and music is for me is life and I want to do this as long as I can. So it's not something that you just can stop or adapt, you know. For me, I breathe metal 24 hours a day and I'm a metalhead to the bone. So for me, a metalhead is, being a metalhead is, a, is a, a, a big gift because I found something that really gets a lot of dedication for me and that makes me happy. And uh, as I said before, you know, metal made me travel the world. Metal made me see India and many other countries. So for me, metal is a big gift. Awesome. Awesome. On that note, Shmir, thank you so very much for talking to yeah. us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Horns up. Keep doing this. Yeah, horns up, man. <laughs> we can come back to India. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. Bullshit is over, hopefully next year. So right. stay safe, guys. I love Shmir. Dead to thin guitar sounds. Amp up the fucking bass. <laughs> yeah, man. Full power to Shmir and Destruction for doing what they do. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's a fun uh, show that they released. And uh, I think there are a few videos on YouTube also. So uh, for those listening, check that out also. And uh, with that, that's all the time we have on Haunts Up this week. Say hi to us. We're at hauntsuppod.com, at hauntsuppod on Twitter. I'm at Asmo and Peter's at Trend Crusher. Till the next time, Haunts Up. Haunts Up, guys.